Amen. Hey, once again, we are on the topic of world religions, cults, and the occult. Chapter 3, and the study is on, rhymes with Islam. Islam. That's right, Ron. I heard that coming out. Uh, Islam. Give it for Ron. He got the right answer. And uh, once again, we saw Islam means submission, okay, is what it's all about. And of course, a Muslim is a submitted one. What are you submitted to? The teachings of Muhammad, okay, that he supposedly got this revelation from supposedly, key words there, Jim, uh, the archangel Gabriel, okay? You can't say a demon because who's going to follow you after that, okay? Uh, so you got to make it sound biblical. Of course, it's the archangel Gabriel. No, it's not. Uh, frankly, it was a demon, a demonic source, a false teaching, as we saw there with the history of that. And then we continued on, began to see that, uh, believe it or not, they actually sin themselves. The Quran says that you shouldn't have any divisions, and yet what do we see even in Islam? You got divisions, and we saw the different category breakdowns uh, with the different Islamic groups. You got the Sunnis and the Shiites are the majority of them, but you got a whole bunch of other splinter groups as well. That in itself, according to their own religion, uh, is a sin, okay? Then we began to take a look at what is happening with this religion. It's like, okay, you want to believe that and trust that, whatever, uh, doesn't affect us. Yes, it does, because it is growing and is growing rapidly. And that's what we saw the last several times, couple times. And we saw that it is rising from, from different angles, certainly with the population statistics taking over the world just on that. Then we saw the Islamization issue, and it's coming into the U.S., that's right, uh, through our government, the schools, and the media. We are being lied to, and we talked about that in great detail. And then, of course, if that doesn't work, hey, let's just flat out move to annihilation. And we saw what's going to happen to your society and what has happened to society around the world where this uh, belief system takes a foothold over in Europe with the rape epidemic and things of that nature and and what we're going to see tonight unfortunately you disagree you die is really what it's leading to you thought the other statistics we shared before was bad and you didn't see nothing yet okay now uh, just for those of you who are watching this on video we took a break uh, last time and uh, if you want to check it out yourself and stay in context of where we're kind of at with this study here at Sunrise, uh, we, we watched a video called Sudan, the Hidden Holocaust. And you can get that online. You can get it from jeremiahfilms.com. I encourage you to watch that. And the reason why we watch that here uh, is because that answered the question, what happens when a country, uh, the control begins to be uh, taken over by Islam? What do you get? And you have a holocaust of people. Genocide is what takes place. Uh, is that. So now we're back into this issue. Now, what we're going to deal with the next couple of times, the first uh, week tonight, we're going to deal with their belief system, the major uh, beliefs of Islam. Okay, then Lord willing, next week, we're going to take a look at their major practices, what's called the pillars of Islam. Okay, so let's get into the beliefs. Okay, now as I go through this, Lord willing, next week, the angle I want to hit with that after we deal with tonight the beliefs and next week the practices, I want to dispel this issue that's out there in the church okay, called Chrislam, okay? Once again, we talked a little bit about that before, but I want to go a little bit deeper into that and expose some people, unfortunately, uh, who are conditioning the church to go down that route. But just, just by way of saying that Christianity and Islam can merge together into one, that they're completely compatible. Now, again, we're not there yet, Lord willing, next week, but as we go through our study just on these beliefs tonight and then move on, you tell me, how in the world could you ever make that statement? This is so radically different than Christianity is absolutely mind-blowing. Anybody who was a promoter of this, it's, I'm sorry, it's a lie from the pit of hell. What you just told me is you apparently, I don't care if you even say you're a pastor, apparently you don't know anything about true biblical Christianity, and you certainly didn't do your homework on what Islam really teaches. How could you say they coincide with each other? But let's take a look at their beliefs tonight there at the bottom of the page. There are five primary beliefs of Islam and we get this delineated in Surah 177. It says this, Righteous is he who believes in Allah. That's your first blank there. Allah, number one. 
and the last day, number two, and the angels, number three, and the scripture, number four, and the prophets. So you got Allah, last day, angels, scripture, and the prophets. So this is their major core belief systems. You can go down and you can't eat pork and all this other stuff, okay? But this is their core belief system. What distinguishes what makes up Islam, a Muslim, okay? Let's take a look at this first one. Allah there, it says there, uh, they believe he is the one true God. Now, here's the problem. Many Christians believe that the Muslim Allah is just a name for the God of the Bible. Underline this, put rockets under it, the asterisks, do whatever, circle it, 50 times this is not so and it's so crazy in fact i when i was pastoring in new york with all due respect we had a there was a guy who was visiting in the area uh, a missionary uh i didn't know him before but some other parishioners there had knew of the guy and uh he uh, went out to lunch over at somebody's house whatever and introduced me to him whatever and he was this big uh, uh guy who reached out to the muslim community over there and in Pakistan, the area over there. And uh, then he just kind of like it was a badge of honor. He says, well, you know, in my translation of the Bible that I provide for the people there uh, with the, uh, you know, the Bible, he says, uh, I went ahead and I, I just supplanted the word Jehovah, uh, O Lord or God, with Allah. Because, you know, I didn't want it to be a stumbling block. It's, it's like, excuse me, do you want me to jump on that bandwagon? Because he would say, well, you know, some people give me flack about it. They think, well, yeah. But this is what people, are, no, that's not the same thing. Right? And you think you're helping. Well, it's going to help them understand because if we put God in there, Jesus, Jehovah, then they're, they're going to close it. And if I just make... compromise, never, ever compromise. Allah and the God of the Bible are not the same, period. Get that out of your brain. Okay, and we're going to see that, okay? The central attributes of Allah include his absolute unity, complete sovereignty, mysterious will. Why is this so mysterious? Well, if you recall before, because we really don't know if he's going to let us into heaven, into paradise, right? Maybe he will, maybe he will. I don't know. What are you going to do? Are you going to... And that's what it is. You just never really know. Maybe hopefully, right? There is no eternal security for the Muslim. Zilcho. Things like a heavenly father. Words like that, intimate words, Abba, Father, right? Intimacy, that we have a relationship with God, that our salvation is free and clear, it's all paid for by Jesus. That's a foreign concept to them. Okay, the mysterious will of Allah. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Ultimate justice, arbitrary mercy, and his utter unknowability. There it again. Aren't you glad that we don't know anything about God and we can't know anything about God? And when we get saved, we just sit here and stare at a wall and just one day we'll find out who he's like. Are you kidding? That's the beauty of the Bible, right? And we get in here and find out who God is and how awesome he is and all his wonderful promises. And, and we can know him and we can know him in intimacy. I've shared with you before, after I got saved and it dawned on me as a Christian, hey, wait a second, I'm not just saved and not going to hell. And, and God said, by his graciousness and the cross of Christ, I'm going to heaven, even after all I did. Wait a second, you mean to tell me that I can actually grow closer in my walk with Jesus Christ and my knowledge of him before I get to heaven? This just gets better. They don't have any of that stuff. Oh, he's a far off. Oh. They have none of that stuff. But this is Allah. Not the same at all as the God of the Bible. Many Muslims believe that Christians embrace a trinity that resulted from a sexual union between God the Father and Mary by which Jesus was born. Very similar to the Mormon belief, Lord willing, one day, start eight five thousand three hundred twenty-two. when we get to that chapter. Uh, okay, uh, that's kind of what they have. I and mean, again, as we saw before, how do you know that somebody's going into a false religion and or a cult? They always get the character of God wrong, the Trinity, and Jesus Christ, the deity, humanity, overemphasized, deemphasized, and that's what you got. And certainly this is one of the big things that they choke on 
uh, is the Muslim, is the Trinity. They think that that means that we believe in three gods, and to them that's utter blasphemy. Well, it is blasphemy. We don't believe in three gods, right? As we saw with water. What's water? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You got, got water solid, water leave it alone solid. You heat it up, it becomes a vapor. Uh, you, you freeze it, it becomes a solid. Which one's not water? Right? Mathematics. They think, well, it's one plus one plus one equals three. No. Even in math, you got one times one times one equals one. You can st- three still equals one. What are you talking about? Right? And so it's a misunderstanding of that. Plus, the virgin birth is no major, uh, uh, minor issue. Right? If Jesus was born of a natural birth and he didn't have a supernatural birth, and by the way, it wasn't God the Father, it was the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, what's the, why, why do we hold to the virgin birth? Because if Jesus was a natural birth, he'd been born with a sin nature. And if he was born with a sin nature, he would have sinned. And then if he would have made it to the cross, then guess what? We're, we're going to hell. Isn't that an encouraging truth? Yeah, okay, that's a big issue, okay? Now, second thing, last day. Okay, that's all. Uh, here's what they believe about the last day. What's going to happen in the end? Well, the Quran says that in the end, each person will be resurrected in order to face judgment. Okay, judgment. And this judgment will be based on the good deeds. That's your blank there. Deeds. What does that tell you? Oh, yeah, just like Christianity, right? Because we get to heaven by our good deeds. No, we don't. Okay, so that tells you right there it's radically different. How could you say these things combine? It's a works-based salvation. It's right there. Okay? And again, it's if you do it by your good deeds, then explain to me the cross of Christ. Why, is there, why do you go to the cross? Right? Radically different. How can you say this is the same thing? Okay? But they will be based on your good deeds that one has performed during their life and obedience to the five pillars of the Quran. And again, we'll get into that next week. That's the practices. Right? Now, the books that the two angels have been writing will be weighed. And this is from Surah 23, 102 through 3. Then those whose balance of good deeds is heavy. Now, that's a heavy truth. And that's heavy bad news. Because... What's heavy? How do you define heavy? How do you know if you're heavy enough to get into heaven? I've done this with Mormons you know, uh, and Jehovah's Witnesses, people who believe you've got to work your way into heaven, right? All right, let's say that you, do, do you believe you, your good work's going to outweigh your bad? Oh, of course. Right? Okay, well, let's say you did, you look like a nice person. Hey, maybe you did 100,000, 100, hold on, 100,000 wonderful good deeds, Right? Right? What if he got there and it was 100,001? How do you know? How do you know that it was enough? And if you're just going to use bland terminology like heavy, how do you know? Again, that's what they don't have, eternal security. You and I with the eternal security blows their mind. Blows their mind because they don't know. You look at the, the, the cults. One of the things that they have a massive, they have a massive, uh, usually they don't put this on the pamphlet when they're trying to witness to you, okay, and convert you, okay, uh, massive suicide rate right? Massive oppression because you just, it's a frustrating experience. Can you imagine just trying to be good enough deep down inside? You know you're not, but somehow you hope, uh, what an existence. And yet you and I can sit here and just rest. My yoke is not heavy, Jesus said. It's light. But you got to produce this heavy, whatever this heavy is. They will attain salvation, they will attain salvation, okay, but those whose balance is light, well, again, who's heavy, light, what? You didn't even give me a percentage. You could have said at least 53% over 47. Heavy, light. Okay, will be those who have lost their souls in hell, uh, will they will abide. So, again, it's a works-based salvation, not like Christianity, period, ipso facto. Now, heaven, they believe in the heaven and hell. 
Heaven, they believe, is a place of everlasting bliss. Okay, God, they say, Surah 972, God hath promised to believers, men and women, uh, gardens under which rivers flow to dwell therein, and beautiful mansions and gardens of everlasting bliss. But the greatest uh, bliss is the good pleasure of God. This is the supreme felicity or uh, extreme happiness, whatever. But again, hey, <laughs> maybe you get there, maybe you won't. I don't know. It's pretty heavy, dude. Right? You're going to better work it out. I don't know. Mysterious will of all. Maybe you will. Maybe. Oh, what a horrid existence. And then you tell people that, I tell you what, there is one way you can get there. Go blow people up in the name of Allah. And that's your only alternative. You wonder why people do it? They don't have what we have. They don't have the security. They don't have the love and mercy of God who paid it all for us. And the reason why we do what we do is because we love him and we're thankful for him. Not because we're trying to earn it, because we're all disqualified. Okay, radically different. Hell, they believe, is, a, of course, everlasting uh, content, uh, torment. Uh, their scorched skins are constantly exchanged, they believe, for new ones so that they can taste the torment anew. Uh, they drink festering water, and though death appears on all sides, they're not able to die. Uh, people are linked together in chains of 70 cubits. Uh, wearing pitch for clothing and a fire on their faces. And boiling water will be poured over their heads, melting their insides as well as their skins. And hooks of iron will drag them back uh, should they try to escape. Wow. Angels. Let's take a look at the angels. They're believe Angels, they believe, were created by Allah uh, and are his servants. Okay, his servants is your neck blanks there. Uh, evil spirits are jinn. Now, as we saw before, jinn, that's not the same thing as a demon. It's a, it's a, a different thing. Uh, not the same thing as the Bible version. Uh, they believe that everyone has two recording angels. How many of you guys heard that floating out there? That ain't biblical. Okay, comes from here. Uh, two recording angels. One angel records our good deeds and the other our bad deeds. Again, reinforce your uh, good deeds. Somehow this one angel, I don't know, maybe you can give him a bribe to throw some heavy stuff on your side of the ledger. I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's just crazy, okay? But they even reinforce that supernaturally they're watching your heavy versus light. Can you get there? Can you not? Okay, and, but let's continue on. Uh, Muslims believe in Satan. He believed they, uh, he rebelled against Allah and he's the chief deceiver of mankind leading astray from Allah's will. So basically what you and I believe in in the cross of Jesus Christ is a satanic uh, ruse that we're under. Okay, the scripture, what is their scripture? Okay, now, as we go through this, I don't know about you guys, but hey, this Chrislam thing sounds really awesome. Awesomely rotten. <laughs> can you believe, how could you sit there and say you can merge the two? Radically different. Scripture, Muslims believe there are four books of scripture. Four books of scripture, what they would call their sacred writings, if you will. Now, believe it or not, listen to the first three. The Torah, right? The Jewish Torah, the Psalms of David, the Gospels of Jesus, and, of course, the Quran of Muhammad. Now, guess what the problem is? Guess what always takes precedent? The Quran, okay? Similar thing that when we talked before, when you try to witness to a Catholic, right? We just go straight for the Bible. But what do they do? They dance around that. Well, Pope so-and-so said blah, blah, blah. Or the church council, and this year ruled on this or whatever. The early church fathers, if you read their writings in the Catholic church, they blah, blah. So what? Those are men. But that, they have four sources of truth. Right? The same thing with, the, again, back to the Mormon issue. Right? They say, oh, yeah, we believe in the King James Version of the Bible. Right? Well, when you start pointing things out, what do they say? What do they do? They revert always back to the writings of Joseph Smith. So it's the same thing here. Even though they have, they say, oh, we have you know, the sacred scriptures. We believe in the Torah and the Psalms of David and the Gospels of Jesus. Push comes to shove. 
And what they're going to say is, oh, by the way, those three, which I'm going like, why'd you even put them on your list? They think are corrupted. So again, which one they're always going to go with? The Quran. That's what he says here. However, they believe the first three have been corrupted, either in manuscripts or interpretation. The Quran is God's full and final revelation, they believe, and has claimed that the Quran was dictated in Arabic by the angel Gabriel to Muhammad, as we saw, and were Allah's precise words. Okay? Precise words. Now, we hope that they were his precise words. I mean, of course, they weren't. I'm being facetious. Because if you recall, uh, Muhammad had to memorize this stuff for 23 years. How many guys can't even remember what happened 23 days ago? <laughs> 23 years? Okay, I hope we get it right. But anyway, whatever. Uh, but that's what we're dealing with here. Okay, so he says this. Islam teaches that it contains the total and perfect revelation and will of Allah. The Quran is about four-fifths the length of the New Testament. Okay, to give you an idea, it's divided up into 114 surahs or chapters. And while Islam respects the Torah, the Psalms of David, and the four Gospels, again, the Quran stands alone as their authority uh, and absoluteness. It is believed to be the most perfectly understood in Arabic, and it is a religious obligation to seek and read and quote it in the original language. Okay, when we saw the, the video of Sudan, the hidden holocaust, what were the, the, over there in Sudan, what were they forcing the young boys to memorize the Quran, right? And, and things of that nature. And uh, oftentimes, again, the, the preference is the original uh, language. Now, let's look at the fifth one, the prophets. Okay, the prophets. Now, Islam teaches that there have been 100, listen, listen to this, 124,000 prophets. That's a lot. How do you know that? Kind of interesting. It just happened to come out an even number. Not 128,122. Exactly 124,000. Interesting. Okay, but and it's supposedly one for each nation from the beginning. Really, where's the records on this? Well, okay, that's, that's what you believe. Okay, six are considered to be the highest rank. Muhammad, of course, at the top, they believe, the apostle of God. Then they denigrate Jesus. We'll get to that more in a second. Uh, as the word of God. Then Moses, the speaker with God. Then Abraham, the friend of God. Noah, the preacher of God. And Adam, the chosen of God. And of Jesus, the Quran states. Once again, how do you know that you're getting into a false teaching, false religion, uh, or cult? When you have a misunderstanding of God's character, uh, and certainly the Trinity, but also Jesus Christ. When anybody wants to downplay the humanity or deity of Jesus Christ, run. And once again, this is what they do. They denigrate Jesus Christ. Uh, let's take a look at that. Quran states, Surah 575, Christ the Son of Mary was no more than an apostle. Here's your blank there. Man, that's just so like Christianity. That's what we've been you know, believing for how many years now? Wrong. Excuse me, just an apostle? How many people in our world today, oh, hey, Jesus, he was just a great teacher, like Muhammad or Buddha or Confucius, right? They denigrate him. world does the same thing, okay? It is not fitting to the majesty of God that he, God, should beget a son. Excuse me, praise God, God beget a son. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only one and begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Okay, praise God for that. But no, no, that's, that's not befitting. Uh, Surah 1935. In addition, the idea, listen to this, of sin, listen to this, of sin in Islam is that man is not fallen. Excuse me? You believe, you say in the Torah, how do you get past Genesis chapter 3? The fall of mankind. How, what? What do you mean mankind's not fallen? Explain sin. Well, this is what they do. It's kind of a secular psychology approach, but it's considered, mankind is considered weak and forgetful. How many of you guys have heard this? Day? Well, I'm only human. Right? 
And again, what society, what they say is this. They say, well, you know, we're not born sinners. We become sinners. We learn to sin. Excuse me? That's not what the Bible says. What's David say? Surely I was born a sinner. Conceived at birth. Right? We're all the same thing. That's, the, again, the importance of the virgin birth. Right? Jesus didn't have the sin nature passed on to him. Praise God. Right? In his humanity. You and I do. Turn to somebody and say, thanks, Dad. <laughs> you know, it's coming down the line, right? And this is what we talked before. It's easy to prove, right? I don't know about you guys, but man, I worked so hard as a parent. I wanted to be a faithful Christian parent. And when Rebecca, our first child, came into uh, existence, I just couldn't wait to teach her to say that wonderful, blessed word to me. No. I worked six months. She resisted because she wasn't born with sin. I didn't teach her to say that word. Where'd you come up with that natural rebellion? I never told you to say that. Where'd that come from? Right? Little brother comes along. Right? She had her own toy. She was the only child for a while. He pops up on the scene. He sees that water toys over there. And, and, and what's, my, what's my daughter do? Oh, I love you, my brother. I have no sin nature. I will, I will share with you the cornucopia of my entertainment industry. Right? Are you kidding me? She repeated those birds, right? Mine, 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 mine. Remember that? She, what? I didn't teach him that. Where did that come from? It's a sin nature, right? That's what they believe there, though, is that, oh, no, we're just considered weak uh, and forgetful. Oh, oh. The most serious sin, though, they can ascribe, they believe, uh, ascribe to people is that of considering Allah as more than one. Once again, the Trinity, big thing with them. The kids, and that's why you and I need to get equipped to say, hey, I agree with you. God, the God of the Bible, he's only one. He's presented himself as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't mean three. One times one times one, or water. Give them an analogy, right? Because they're just, they, and oftentimes they don't know because guess what? Nobody's ever even challenged them, right? Okay, Muslims, okay, also have dietary codes, the forbidding of eating pork and the use of intoxicating beverages other meats may be eaten from animals slaughtered by devout Muslims, okay? So that's just kind of a core belief system. Again, we're not even there. Lord willing, that will be for next week. Uh, how in the world could you say that this can merge with Christianity? I mean, how could you even, how could that even come out of your mouth? With all due respect, something's wrong. Absolute, and I don't mean this in a derogatory sense, absolute ignorant of Christianity and the Bible, and at the same time, apparently absolutely ignorant of what Islam believes. How could you make that statement? And yet, how many people do? Okay, and again, we'll get to that more next week. Now, here's the whole problem. Here's what I want to bring up. Hey, listen, this is America. You want to believe that? If that's what you believe, whatever. If you want to believe that, it's a free country, right? The problem is you disagree. You die. This is the problem with this teaching. What you believe determines how you behave. Now, you and I, if somebody disagrees us, with us as a Christian, what do we do? No, Mark, that's not, that's, that's a different laying on of hands. No. <laughs> no. What do we do? Hey, disagree. I mean, we love them. We love them enough to tell them the truth. We witness to them, right? Let, let's shake the dust off your feet and move on. You pray for them. Maybe God will open the door. You know, we plant, we water. Only God gives the increase. We can't save them anyway. We're just disseminators of the gospel. That's what the word gospel means, good news. We're the newspaper boy, newspaper girl. We hand it out to them, what they do with it. That's between them and God. 
I'm not going to whip out a pistol. Oh, yeah. Right? That's what they do. That's what they're encouraged to do. And that is what I want to finish with tonight. This is the danger. Now, this is what's coming to our country. This is what's already happening in Europe. It isn't just, as we saw last time, with the rape epidemic. It isn't just uh, with what's happening to economically and some of the abuses that's going on with there, the abuses of women and things of that nature. Folks, it is this. Ultimately, if they get a hold, just like we saw with the Sudan video, you disagree, you don't do what they say, what's going to happen? You die. Now, people say, oh, it doesn't really teach that. Yes, it does. And they believe it, so they do it, Right? So let's take a look at some of that evidence. Let's take a look. Does Islam really teach torture, burning, and beheading? Yes, it does. Let's take a look at that. Uh, torture is sanctioned by Islam. And uh, let me give you uh, just one example, a couple of them. 24-2, the woman and the man guilty of fornication, uh, they flogged, flogged them with 100 stripes and says, let not compassion move you. Not only is physical torture prescribed as punishment, for a moral crime between two consenting adults, but believers are told to suppress their natural urge for human compassion, right? At some point, you say, man, that's enough. No, you just keep on going. Just keep beating them. Uh, 22, 19 through 22, but as for those who disbelieve, garments of fire will be cut out for them, boiling fluid will be poured down on their heads, whereby that which is in their bellies and their skins too will be melted. And for them are hooked rods of iron whenever in their anguish they would go forth from thence they are driven back therein and it is said unto them taste the doom of burning right if you disbelieve how dare you right somebody disagrees with us walk away but that's not what they're taught the punishment of those who merely disbelieve in muhammad's claims about himself is described as being horrifically brutal in many other places uh, as well uh, which say that they will face a continuous cycle of torture okay uh, how allah feels about non-muslims naturally determines the attitude of devout muslims okay allah's hatred of unbelievers motivate people uh, to jihad uh, 973 old prophets strive against the disbelievers and the hypocrites be harsh with them their ultimate abode is hell okay and it isn't just in the quran it's also in the hadith which again as we saw before is like more sayings of muhammad also the Surah, and that's more the uh kind of like a biography the military escapades and things of that nature those writings that they consider sacred also encourage the same kind of behavior let me give you another example they were caught and brought to him the holy prophet he commanded about them, and thus their hands and feet were cut off, and their eyes were gouged, and then they were thrown in the sun until they died. Muhammad had two killers put to death, not in the way of an eye for an eye, but a more agonizing manner. Another example. Muhammad orders his men to burn alive those who do not present themselves at the mosque for prayer. Now, again, when we saw Sudan, the hidden holocaust, what was one of the regular things they did? They go into a place and strafe it and burn it and, and hold them up in their church buildings and what? Burn them alive. Why? Well, because they read it in the newspaper. And it was on the back of a Cheerios box, unfortunately, leading them in the wrong way. No, it's in the Quran. It's in their writings and their teachings. This is what they're encouraged to do. This is where it's coming from. Now, the media won't tell you that, but this is what's going on. Uh, when Muhammad captured two slaves, he interrogated them under torture. He orders that a man have his tongue cut out. After amassing a powerful army, Muhammad sent his forces to take the peaceful farming community of the place called Kabar by surprise. In the aftermath, he was dissatisfied with the amount of plunder 
and felt the town's treasurer, a guy named Kanana, uh, might be holding out on him. So he had the man brought to him, and he asked him uh, about the rest. He refused to produce it, so he gave orders to, quote, torture him until you extract what he has. So he kindled a fire with flint and steel on his chest until he was nearly dead, okay? And then they struck off his head. But, as he says here, uh, as a side note to the story, uh, Kanana's untimely death left a beautiful young widow named Safiya, whom Muhammad was then able to marry. Wow. In addition to the right of men to beat their wives over disobedience, that's encouraged too, remember? Also, children are beaten as well as they don't pray. What do we see again? Remember the guys with the whips beating the kids on the video? Still going on today, folks. This is not foreign. This is not, oh, why would it? Oh, it's only a small. No, this is where it, it's teaching this. What you believe determines how you behave. The life of Muhammad demonstrates that torture is sanctioned. The prophet of Islam did not stop his people from beating and abusing individuals. Torture is also allowed as a form of punishment uh, and when putting uh, people to death, rather than prescribing quick methods for execution, there were times when Muhammad ordered his men to make a victim's death as slow and agonizing as possible. In one case, his men, listen, literally pulled apart the body of an elderly woman named Um Kurfa by tying her limbs to camels and then sent them in opposite directions. Oh, this is so like Christianity. We can so blend together. Because, you know, this is the same thing that Jesus taught. I mean, just, excuse me. Get that off your mouth. Wash your tongue out. How in the world could you say this? And listen, this is even more recently. One of the uh, most influential religious leaders in Iran recently extended the validity of torture to the practice of raping prisoners in defense of Islam. Listen to how sick and twisted this is. The guy's name is Mesbah Yazdi, and he said that it was advisable for the rapist, the rapist, to perform, quote, to perform a ritual washing first and say prayers while raping the prisoner. And that makes it okay. Remember we saw the video clip of the girl that was raped by the Muslim guy here in the United States? Remember, it's already started here too. Remember what he was doing while he was doing that? Speaking out to her. And his language, she, she couldn't speak the language. I want, what, was he saying his prayers? Making it okay, just, right? And this is what the leadership's encouraging to do. Now listen to this. He went on to say that, quote, this is sick. If the judgment for the female prisoner is ex uh, execution, then rape before execution brings the interrogator a spiritual reward equivalent to making a pilgrimage to Mecca. So he's rewarded for that. But if there is no execution degree, he's just going to flat out rape her, okay, then the reward will be equivalent to making a pilgrimage to the Shiite holy city of Karbala. Not as good, but he still gets a little bit out of the deal. That's what they believe. That's what guys today are still encouraging their followers to do. When, uh, this, is, uh, and this is one thing that I wanted to deal with last time when we were talking about the rape issue but it's just so repulsive to me that I could have showed you video clips, um, but I'll at least share this with you, because this is the other thing. It's not just rape of women. It's rape of children, little boys. And when asked if the rape of men and a young boy, and this is the same guy, Mesbah Yazdi, when asked if the rape of men and a young boy was considered sodomy, he said no, because it's not consensual. That's the rationale. 
This is the belief system. And if you don't think that that won't ever come here, you're kidding yourself. It's already here. Absolutely right. We're seeing signs of that. And our president and the media is covering it up. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, a 2006 uh, fatwa, remember that's an Islamic ruling mainly for the you know, death sentence on people. Uh, on a popular Islam website, uh, authorized burning of people as a form of punishment, but they pulled it recently after ISIS began their stuff, but that's what they teach. The barbaric treatment of hostages by groups like ISIS, listen to this, is a direct product of religious belief. Where is ISIS getting this belief? Why is ISIS doing all this stuff? Where are they getting it from? Did they invent it themselves? It's coming from the Quran. It's coming from this teaching. It's coming from these leaderships. The Quran is quite explicit in teaching that the merciful... Allah tortures non-believers. There is no reason for believing a believing Muslim to think that Allah would disapprove a practice, this practice, against those whom he has destined for such anguish. If Allah hates your guts too, oh well. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Every day we get up, thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you for this beautiful relationship I have with you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for rescuing me from hell. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. When all hope was, they know none of that. Radically, radically different. Let's deal with beheading, okay? With daily cases of infidels being beheaded by Muslims, uh, it's worthy asking whether this is in fact a Muslim thing or just an aberration. Is this what they're encouraged to do as well? Indeed, it seems that just as we find gruesome examples of beheading on a daily basis uh, carried out by devout Muslims, so too we find daily denials by duped in Western leaders and media that says this has nothing to do with Islam. Yes, it does. It has everything to do with it. The truth is the Quran has plenty of passages which speak the need to slay the infidel and specifically chop their heads off. Let me give you just a couple examples. 47.4. Therefore, when you meet the unbelievers in fight, strike off their heads heads or strike their necks or smite them at their necks chop your heads off 533 the punishment of those who wage war against allah and his messenger muhammad is execution by beheading or crucifixion or the cutting off of hands and feet from opposite sides 812 i will instill terror into the hearts of the unbelievers smite ye above their necks and smite all their fingertips off remember the guy we saw in the video again with sudan what they do they chopped his fingertips off well, where'd you get that? Well, it's the Quran with beheading. Uh, also, terrorize and behead those who believe in scriptures other than the Quran. So right there, about as plain as you can get, oh, that's your interpret. No, that's what it says. You and I, we believe in other scriptures than the Quran. What are they ordered to do by their own book? Chop our heads off. People of the cross, people of the book, Christians, Jews, chop your head off. Excuse me? Hey, if you disagree with me, oh well. Cry for you. I'll keep trying. What kind of religion is that? And you're going to chop my head off? What is this? Is this a religion of peace? No, not at all. Okay? It is not just the Quran that can be cited here. Again, it's the other religious books. The Hadith can also be mentioned. Muhammad both practiced and approved of such activities. Some 600 to 900 men from the Quranza were led on Muhammad's order to the market of Medina. Trenches were dug and the men were beheaded and their decapitated corpses buried in the trenches while Muhammad watched in attendance. Okay? 
And uh, also the Hadith concurs again. Another guy said this, it's just uh, recorded. Uh, Muad uh, paid a visit to this guy, Abu Musa, and he saw a chained man and he asked him, what's this? And he said, well, he was a Jew who embraced Islam, but then he went back to become a Jew, apostate, they believe. And he says, quote, I will surely chop off his neck. Now, again, the problem was, whew, good thing that was only, I mean, it's a horrible practice, right? But it's a good thing they only did that at its inception, and it doesn't carry on today. They, there's no signs of beheading. It's all over the place. All over the place, Okay which is absolutely radical. Let me give you just a, a couple of uh, quick examples here tonight. Indonesia, four Christian, Enosis Christian. Four Christian high school girls were attacked with machetes by Muslims and only one survived. Three of the girls were decapitated by the assailants and only one, a girl named Noviana, uh, survived with severe slash to her head and neck in an unsuccessful beheading attempt. The three Christian high school girls were beheaded as a Ramadan trophy. So I guess that's, Something they do. The girls' severed heads were dumped in plastic bags in their village, along with a handwritten note threatening more such attacks. And the note read this, Wanted 100 more what heads? Christian heads. Teenage or adult, male or female, blood shall be answered with blood, soul with soul, head with head, is what was said there. Uh, another incident, a magazine editor escaped with his life, made it to a bridge where he said he had seen 15 or more corpses lying in the streets of the city. Quote, some of them had been beheaded, others had their body parts removed. I saw one boy holding a severed head with blood dripping uh, from it. Uh, There's another beheading in a Christian village leader. Once again, who, what? Christian village leader. His severed head was found inside three plastic bags. The rest of his body was found elsewhere later. Handwritten note was found with his head that warned the authorities, we'll, you will find a thousand more of these heads. Thailand, there were at least 15 cases where people have been beheaded in one year alone. Uh, in one of them, a Muslim slaughtered an entire family, beheaded a... This is the age of my son. Beheaded a nine-year-old boy because he wouldn't submit to him. Tanzania, a Christian pastor, was recently beheaded by Muslims. Pastor Matthew Kachili was described as a devoted Christian, was butchered by Muslim men with multiple axe blows for refusing to convert to Islam. Uh, Chechnya, beheadings were done to captured soldiers, and videos were circulated around the Internet. I can't even show you that stuff. You can look... I don't even recommend it. Then four Western telecommunication workers, three Britons, one Newland Zealer. Uh, Newland Zealer was beheaded. Their heads were found on the side of the road. Saudi Arabia or, uh, authorities also recently beheaded four men, and the court ruled that the bodies of the four workers would be crucified for public view as an example of others. This is modern day today. And I read an article, was it a couple weeks ago? They're actually putting a call out for more executioners. There's a shortage in Saudi Arabia. Can you believe that? Iraq, beheadings have been on the rise since 2003. The brunt of them have been upon foreign civilians and military personnel. One video obtained by the Associated Press shows a young boy about 12 years old beheading a man. Nigeria, about 40 men, women, and children were beheaded recently when their village was attacked and burned to the ground. In Malaysia, the heads of many Christians who... Christians have been beheaded and dumped in plastic bags or displayed as trophies with warnings, notes that there's going to be many more such attacks. Somalia, recently three government soldiers were beheaded and four Christian aid workers who were helping with orphans were beheaded for refusing to renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. The Muslims also beheaded two young boys because their Christian father refused to hand over information about a church leader. And he said, quote, I watched my... 
I watched my boys dragged away helplessly as my youngest boy was crying. I knew they were going to be slaughtered. And one person stated, I fear that if the international community does not immediately and successfully pressure the government to protect its Christian minorities with more than just lip service, that serious violence will, and civil war will erupt a war with only one possible outcome, increased persecutions and the mass killings of who? Christians. But as we all know, our president is faithful to stand up for us. No, he's not. I'm sorry. And he is deliberately trying to mask this over, okay? Let's take a look at his response to this horrid behavior, specifically the specific beheading of Christians. Let's take a look. We saw a different reaction after this new ISIS video surfaced when the terrorists released a video of 21 Christians marched in front of the camera and then beheaded. No mention from the White House that these victims are Christians and mention of how the killers praised Allah in the video. Tony Perkins is with the Family Research Council. He is the president of that organization. Tony, good to see you. And do you think it was intentional by the president not to mention the fact that the victims here were Christian? Well, Megan, it's stunning that the White House could not say that this was an attack on Christians. Now, ISIS made very clear in this video that this was an attack. This was a uh, execution of people, quote, people of the cross. Now, ISIS apparently has uh, no difficulty saying Christian, while the White House has a very difficult time. And it's, it, it's, it's troubling that the White House cannot come to the point of saying that ISIS is targeting Christians. Because what we're seeing unfolding before us in the Middle East is genocide. And the White House will not come to that point of saying that. This is wrong. Megan, we need to focus on what is motivating these people to kill Christians, religious minorities, and other Muslims they don't agree with. If we try to separate what they're doing from their religious beliefs, we'll never, we'll never stop them. We have to understand yeah. they are motivated by this radical belief. So what do you basically say? If we don't wake up and start dealing with the facts, where are they getting this from? Right? and own up to it and deal with that, this is never going to go away. Acting like it, excuse me, and, and you, you can't even say that these were Christians from the White House, and yet you got, with all due respect, some young Muslim boy who made this device that looked like it was a bomb, and everybody freaks out, and you go to his defense. But these guys lost their heads. No offense to that young boy. Something's wrong. Something doesn't compute here, okay? And it's this silence and refusal to admit, like the guy says, we've got to deal with the facts. What Islam teaches and encourages, yes, in fact, beheading and torture, amongst other things, okay, is why we're starting to see beheadings in the United States. Remember the one in Oklahoma? Let's take a look at that. So let's talk about beheadings, shall we? They're the MO of ISIS militants, not the kind of crime you'd expect to hear in a small town outside Oklahoma City. But now the FBI is investigating after a woman was beheaded while working at a food distribution warehouse. And now we are learning that this ISIS style of killing may not be a coincidence. We want to go to CNN's Martin Savage. He is following it all for us. So, Martin, we're hearing that the FBI may be called in to investigate claims that he was trying to convert people to Islam. Obviously, there is a fear of copycat killings by ISIS supporters right here. What can you tell us about that? Well, you know, as you point out, ISIS itself has put out a call to people who may be sympathetic to their cause in these nations that have now joined the coalition to destroy ISIS to launch attacks. So could this be something like that? 
There's no doubt that there is that concern, and there are some red flags, as you point out. Yesterday, this was first reported as a workplace dispute. It was a man who had been fired, and it looked at that time like possibly this person had sought revenge by, unfortunately, attacking people where he worked. However, today we learned that M.O., that the first person he attacked was a woman. He not only stabbed her, but beheaded her. And as you point out, these days, anytime you hear that word, you think automatically of terror. Then on top of that, according to authorities, this same person who is now identified as Alton Nolan, 30 years old, is the suspect, uh, that he tried to convert fellow employees at that plant before he was fired to becoming a member of the Islamic faith. So add those things together and people are starting to say, wait a minute here, maybe this was something inspired or maybe in some way he was sympathetic to the terrorist causes. Uh, yeah. Little inside scoop, even though the media wanted to whitewash that when I was doing some uh, interviews in Oklahoma City, uh, talked with one of the pastors there who talked with people directly, and that's exactly what was going on. It was Muslim-based. This is what you're told to do when people reject Allah in the United States of America. And it's still the tip of the iceberg. Many Americans are completely unaware that beheadings are not just something that takes place somewhere over there. In reality, there have been many cases of beheadings in the U.S. over the past decade, although you would never know it by observing the mainstream media. Almost all these cases are suppressed or outright censored by government officials, agency, and media elites. The primary reason for this uh, is Islam, the beheadings. Our current administration does not wish to disrupt the false indoctrination of Islam being a peaceful and loving religion. Kind of messes it up, right? But let me give you just real quick uh, a couple of examples. Houston, Texas, the throat was slit and the guy was beheaded. Uh, in New Jersey, the necks and throats and bodies were stabbed. Again, this is all Islam-related. Buffalo, New York, where I used to pastor, a lady was beheaded by her husband, uh, a Muslim, okay? Uh, Massachusetts, the uh, throats were slit. Uh, Jersey City, it was shot, decapitated, and the hands were severed. And listen to what this guy says. Many people are under the misconception that Muslims can be integrated and assimilated into another society and culture. This would be false. They bring their society and culture with them when they immigrate. Sorry. And like the guy said in the news clip, until we deal with this fact, that where they're getting this, this is what they're taught, you're kidding yourself if you think it's not going to happen here. It already is. There's a cover-up, but they can't cover them all up. But just that, that Oklahoma thing is just the tip of the iceberg, folks. It's on a grander scale, and it's being whitewashed. And our president, with all due respect, is doing a major disservice to the American people by avoiding this issue. However, in closing, I was able to find some other Americans who were brave enough to speak out. Let's take a look at their response to these beheadings. Let's take a look. Well, as ISIS sends America messages of hate, country artists Larry Gatlin and Billy Dean decided to send one right back. We've been watching stuff on TV, but that guy cutting people's heads off and all that stuff, and it just really put us off. I'm just going to tell you that, America. So, like John Cash told me one time, said, Pilgrim, something makes you mad enough, boy, you're sure write a song about it, so me and Billy wrote one. <laughs> well, there's straight talk there, and that song got more than 15 million hits online in just a few days, and you are going to hear it now. Let's hear it for Larry Gatlin and Billy Dean. Yeah. All right, guys, we're getting out of the way. You worthless, gutless cowards, you say I must convert or die. 
Well, you're gonna have to kill me. At least you're gonna have to try. To Lexington and Concord mean anything to you. How about Bunker Hill, San Juan Hill, the island of Peleliu? You're not the first who's ever tried to kill me. What makes you think I will turn and run? You underestimate these United States and the righteous mind of people standing up as one. Now we exist to fan the flame of freedom. We fought and bled and died, we overcome. I want to live in peace, but you come after my family. You'll be staring down the barrel of my gun And America With the Remington My daddy's Remington to help me put food on our table When he came home from Vietnam disabled and like him, I answered the call. I was willing to give my all in the mountains of Afghanistan. You're not the first who's ever tried to kill me. What makes you think I would turn and run? You underestimate these United States and the righteous mighty people standing up as one. We exist to fan the flame of freedom. We fought and bled and died, we overcome. Hey, I want to live in peace, but you come after my family. You'll be staring down the barrel of my gun An American With a Remington An American With a Remington Tell them, blood An American with a Remington. You're not the first who's ever tried to kill me. Oh, that we would have leadership in office that would have a backbone like that and call a spade a spade. Nobody's advocating violence, but we need to speak up and deal with this fact. I don't know about you, but I remember right after Reagan was elected, sure got those hostages back because we need that kind of leadership again. Don't mess with the U.S.
We're not out looking for a fight, but we will protect our own. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that, and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God and you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, 
that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a of death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you 
in heaven. God bless.